Hello and welcome to Vikings Territory Breakdown. We're back again after another awesome game made by the Cowboys. Uh, I'm here with Mark Craig, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. He's been a long time uh, NFL writer, Vikings writer, and uh, he's seen it all. And he's gonna he's gonna let us know what he saw on, on Sunday at, from the from the stadium. But uh, what I saw from my couch while I was taking notes was uh, I have big fork, pitchfork, and I wanted to stick it in the season because, you know, as far as I can see, uh, from the way they played and once again, not being able to score a second half touchdown and they, uh, the, the, the offense and how it performed and the injuries to the defense, which we'll get in later and the schedule that's coming, you know, things will happen, but, uh, they're, this team's not going anywhere. So uh, I, I don't want to give up on them too soon because I never do. I'm a, I'm a Vikings fan at heart. But uh, uh, Cheer up, Joe. You're, you're depressing me. I, <laughs> I'm trying to be a realist here. But anyway, you know, Mark, I got to ask you what the hell went wrong. And I know I, I was watching you on Twitter during the game, and I saw you tracking the – the third down lack of efficiency from the Vikings offense. I mean, and each, each tweet came in, now they're this and now they're this. And, you know, that was uh, epically bad, wouldn't you agree? And, and uh, really kind of did them in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been doing this for over 30 years, and uh, I'm try- it's got to be in my top five, top ten of the worst from top to bottom, from play calling to execution by the quarterback to uh, protection to uh, just – Everything to do with on third down for that offense is one of the worst I've ever seen. Um, I, I went back and looked at it, uh, you know, going, you know, putting together the a bow on all the bad stats. Uh, on third down, they, Kirk got nine passes off. Uh, the average distance that the ball traveled in the air was two point eight yards. The average distance behind the sticks or the end zone when it was third and goal that the ball, you know, arrived at its target was six point two yards behind the sticks or the end zone. So, How's that possible? You know, not and not once I you know did you know the first one they they, they their first third down which came in that that scripted series and that, and that where you know Clint Kubiak and the Vikings and Zimmer and everyone they're going to win awards for that first drive because they're doing it better than anybody in the league. Right. That first first third down was third and short and they got uh they got Tyler Conklin out wide on a J Ron Curse which was a mismatch. And, and the ball went down the field 31 yards. And it was a catch, you know, on the sideline. Perfect. That's great. You want to see more of that. Then they go over 13 on third down. Now they ran it once with CJ Ham, uh, you know, gets stopped short. And then they come back with a pass on fourth and one that went deep. And uh, but yeah, you saw just this 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 stagnant approach that was a combination of there not being enough designs down the field from the coordinator to Kirk Cousins uh, not, you know, taking a chance more down the field to uh, occasionally, you know, there's some pass rushers there, 93, 94, pretty good pass rushers. And so they would get in, but a lot of times Kirk had time and then the rush came a little bit later while Kirk was trying to, you know, check it down or whatever. Uh, But it was just a stagnant, horrible approach on third down that, uh, you know, just cannot, can't continue. Is is that is that you know that, that's what I want to ask you? Who is it, Zim or, or, or Kirk, Clint, or Zim? I mean, does Zim, Zimmer have the clamps on this offense? Does Clint not have any imagination, or, and or does Kirk just not want to take a chance 
and throw the ball and give his, his receivers a chance to make a play at all. At all. I mean, I saw so many times where he was, you know, he'd even scramble out of a spot and uh, he was still panicked and, and making some some bad uh, overthrows of people that were open because he, uh, you know, he still, he was nervous, Kirk. He started out uh, uh, efficient, Kirk, that first series, then he became uh, angry, Kirk, for some reason, and then he was nervous, Kirk. And it was just, it was, it was, uh, it, it submarine any chance. I mean, you know, 23 for 35 for 184 yards, 5.2 yards per attempt, and one touchdown. And they once again cannot score a touchdown in the second half of the game. It's five times out of seven games they've not done this. This is not just this is just not an NFL offense. They've not played the best, all of the best. They haven't even played the Bills or some of the other better defenses, you know. I don't know what the deal is here, but is it design? Is it is it uh is it Zim just saying we got to get back to the run, you know, because he, he doesn't look like he's ever saying anything on the, on the, when the offense has got the ball, but you know, he's, he's got, he's got to have a, a governor on, uh, on Clint Kubiak, I would think. Well, I think he does. I think, you know, I think that uh, it's a combination of everything, all of the above. It's, I think Zimmer's taken on too much. Uh, I mean, he forgets that he calls two timeouts back to back. I mean, that's a sign of being, being overwhelmed. Um, I also think Clint Kubiak is all is in his seventh game as an offensive coordinator probably not ready for prime time the adjustments that need to be done and everything's but you know he's going to get you know we'll assume unless everyone gets blown out he's going to get a chance to keep working at this that first series uh, they're as good as anybody in the league in doing this they just got to find a way to you know continue that um you know i don't think it's and it's also a combination of kirk uh i don't fault kirk for this because the first play was designed to go deep to Thielen. Okay, so he rolls or he rolls out because I know this because I, I, I mean, I'm charting. I, one of my things I did was I was charting, you know, whether he would go after Diggs. First play of the game, it, they, they want to go deep to Thielen on the left side there. Diggs is right there. And Diggs is a tall, long, lengthy guy that's got seven interceptions in six games coming into the game. He, Kirk pulls it down and runs for six yards. Now, later in, the, in that drive, they went after Diggs twice. They got the penalty on pass interference when he's covering Jefferson. They got the touchdown when a, a great – that was a great play design. You know, uh, Thielen's looking like he's going to block. Diggs peeks in the backfield, and then, and 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 uh, Thielen takes off, and that's Diggs' guy, and they get, they get a 20-yard touchdown on that. Great. Everything's working great. And then after that, they just get bogged down, and they don't seem to be the same. Uh, I thought that, you know um, – uh, Cook had some really good runs, and it just didn't seem like there was enough of them at the right times. And then uh, there was a point in the first half where you're like, you know, it seems like the Cowboys have had the ball the entire game, and I, at that point they had. Uh, so, yeah, you're playing at home. Uh, the fans were, you know, was very, it was it was very pro Vikings to start, but then you found out that a lot of people must have sold their tickets to the Cowboy fans because I think there was one point where they were coming out of break and. It, you saw that the Vikings purposely cranked up the noise because it was because uh, the Cowboys fans were were chanting, uh, you know, and it just became a pro Cowboys crowd, which was really strange to see. Um, yeah, so to do this at home uh, was was pretty embarrassing, I, I, you know, and to do it whenever. Uh, and by the way, my pick of the of the Vikings uh, was based on Dak Prescott playing, so I don't know anything about this Cooper guy. So I washed my hands of that pick. Yeah, I, don't um, think so. I mean, give that guy credit. I mean, 
uh, you know, the Vikings obviously became a different defense when, when Daniil Hunter went out in the second quarter. They couldn't get to him. I thought they should have. On third downs, I was also charting, you know, pat, you know, extra pressure. Well, the first third down, they sent Kendricks on a great pass rush uh, over the left guard, who's their weak link. The left guard is blocking someone else. Ezekiel Elliott has Kendricks in the hole. Kendricks blows up, you know, knocks him out of the way and gets the sack. And then he just didn't see as many you know, blitzes on the on the uh, uh, after that on third down. Now some of that was because it was it was third and short, and they were, they couldn't blitz because they knew they were going to run the ball. Uh, but there should have been more pressure there, I thought. You know this, but this guy got into a rhythm after Daniel was out, and you know, and he's we didn't know anything about him, and it's he's he and Mike White were backups. Uh, in 2018 on the Cowboys, Mike White earlier in the day throws for 405 yards in his NFL debut, starting debut, uh, to the Jets to upset the Bengals, best team in the AFC at that time. And then this guy comes in, throws for 325 in prime time at U.S. Bank Stadium. So uh, it was impressive. But, the, you know, the Vikings played a role in that as well. I mean, they did, they did not make him feel uncomfortable enough, and they really lost an opportunity because – had they done that, done that, had they continued what they did on that first third down, I think that crowd would have would have overwhelmed this guy. It could have been a different game, but uh, thought it could have, would have, should have in that game when it came to third downs on both sides. Well, you saw that the the interception he threw was a terrible pass into double coverage where Harrison Smith tips it to, to Xavier Woods. Um, should have never thrown that pass, but that was a panic play. That's what a, a, a quarterback in his first start in the NFL is going to do because the pressure was getting to him. You stop, you saw him stop with that blitz that you were talking to on third down, and they got off the field. You know these things happen, but you didn't see enough of it for this guy. And, and I, I or, or was it the wrong game plan? I mean, I, are they better at adjustments? Because I mean, in the first play out of the gate, they threw the one down. Vikings threw to Conklin over the top. You know, it was a nice play, chunk play down the field. And and that started to go away. Did they all of a sudden see, why does this happen? I, mean, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot because you're not in the coach room. You don't know what's, you know, happening exactly. But they're so efficient in so many games, that first drive, and all of a sudden the other team's making an adjustment and it's over. And the Vikings can't seem to make the adjustments that they need to make because, you know, they have to respond to what they see next, don't they? And then have a, have a countermeasure. But – the Vikings are, you know, are, are just not not getting it done. I mean, now granted, Dallas is a better team. They're they're a very good team, good defense, great offensive line that uh, kept the Vikings from, uh, you know, I I had where uh, the the Cowboys had 58 rushing yards in the first quarter and a half, and then they only had, you know, they ended up with 70 78 in the game, only 20 more the rest of the way, you know, and they switched the pass. This can't. This just can't happen with the Zimmer's defense. You know, I I I don't understand. Well, it. And uh, do you understand? Yeah. I, Go ahead. Well, I, I you know to me that okay, we, we can harp on Zimmer's defense, but there are two things that that I that I'd like to point out is that uh, they I was charting first down plays as well. They they ran they had six, sixteen runs on first down. Eleven of them were were uh, fewer than than four yards. There were. Uh, uh, I think there was at one point it was like eight two-yard runs on first down. So they're stopping the run on first down. Uh, yeah, it's Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, he t- tends to – I think early, for me the first the first down run, he had eight, had eight yards. That's kind of a typical t- Ezekiel when he's when he's in shape and he's running hard and everything. You know, they, they were stuffing those guys uh, on first down, uh, doing the job on first down. Uh, you know, I think it was 
it was two yards and then there was one, they didn't have any that was negative yardage, but it was just they were, they were stopping them under four yards, you know, three and two yards. And then they get these two turnovers. Z- Xavier Woods, former Cowboy, has a dream game against his former team, gets an interception, you know, thanks to the tip also from Harrison. And then he gets that strip sack where Barr recovers. Now, the, the immediate possessions after those two takeaways are three and out, three and out. One of them was uh, five net yards. And our uh, total, total, the total net yards of those two drives were, was one yard. So you're talking about game ch- game changing plays where you know the crowd's going crazy, offense comes out of the field, three and out, three and out, total of one yard total, two punts, totally deflates everything. So to me, I, you know, I'm not putting it on the defense at all. I, this was an offensive problem, I, I think. And I know that I know that Cooper rush. You shouldn't. He shouldn't have done all that stuff. I know they could have rushed the passer better, but with Daniel Hunter's out, and you get. You get two takeaways in a big game like that. I don't believe the Vikings turned the ball and over. And the penalty help. Yeah, and also yeah, the Cowboys were committing a ton of penalties. Um, this is where Kirk Cousins and the offense, they, they need to carry and do their job and, and uh, you know get some points out of those takeaways to get not only get – I don't even know what the time of possession was, but not to get zero points out of that. And I'm sure the time of possession was less than two minutes or whatever. So – Defense is back on the field. You know, I, that just can't happen. Uh, is this team so emotionally fragile that, you know, uh, you know, because they went down, they scored the first drive, they're moving, they're playing just like they had when they were successful in previous weeks. And then they go down there for a second drive and they miss the field goal. So all of a sudden, oh, my God, you know, and, and the defense is holding. The defense is held. It was seven to nothing for a long time. Then it was seven to three, you know, and the Vikings still had the lead, but they needed – you know, are they so emotionally fragile that as soon as it starts sliding, momentum's gone and, and, and they can't recover? Because when you get those turnovers, you should be putting your 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 knee on the on the neck of the, the, the defense and just, you know, taking those deep shots and doing something that they didn't see was coming. But the Vikings go back into their conservative shell and say, OK, we want to control the ball and and not score too quickly and and not put. Cooper Rush back on the field. I don't know. I, 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 I don't understand the mentality of what's going on here. And we're certainly going to talk about the uh, coaching staff in, in, in a little bit later here. But um, is, is is there just no is, – is Kirk that emotionally fragile? Because I, I saw him being at times very nervous, very upset at one point. I mean, you know, you and I were talking a little bit before we came on. How come he got so hacked off? And we, we don't, I'm, we're not sure who he was yelling at, but – there was there was two plays where he was yelling at either his teammates or the refs or somebody, and and the broadcast never pursued it, but he was upset, and we thought, oh great, angry Kirk. We love angry Kirk because he he really gets emotional and gets going and gets things into it. But um, did you? Well, you, I think I, I think what he's what he's angry about is, is somebody that uh, you know again it's it's a little bit of a guess because you know they, uh, but the fact that they couldn't they wasn't throwing the ball down the field tells me that that somebody's not doing the it's not seeing the post. The post-snap read that Kirk is seeing. Kirk has talked about pre-snap reads, post-snap reads, and things can change uh, in, over the course of a, as a play is unfolding. I think that he he's thinking so because I think at one point he's yelling at the rookie. Um, so he's like, I, I believe that he's saying, you know, hey, you, you needed to do this, and when when you did that. Um, so and Kirk is not a guy that's you know he's not off, going off script is not his his strength. So he needs no. to see you know, people need to be where they are 
when they're supposed to be. Uh, and he obviously had a disagreement with some people where they should have been and when they should have been there. Um, so they, I think that's one reason why he was hacked off. Um, C.J. Ham with three receptions to Justin Jefferson's two. C.J. Ham with or Justin Jefferson had four targets to C.J. Ham's three. Uh, I know they're probably blanketing Jefferson with coverage, you know, doubling on him here and there. But at some point, you've got to depend on those playmakers and throw something in there that, uh, and hopefully your your guy makes a play. How many times has has Adam Thielen bailed out Kirk Cousins over the years? How many times has Jefferson made great catches? Even KJ Osborne is is making catches that are not just right in his hands or in his belly. Um, to me, it's it's a little bit of of Kirk trying to be too perfect or trying to be too panicked because he's on prime time and he's, he hears the criticism. I don't know. It 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 it's it just breaks my heart because he was having such a good season so far and he's playing so oh. well, and he just reverted back to old Kirk. And it, well, it's uh it's one it's one game. I mean, uh, you you asked earlier about being emotionally fragile. I mean, um. You know, I, I, when Kirk plays well, I praise him. When he plays poorly, I, I say he plays poorly. So you get both sides of the Kirk argument coming at you, depending on how he plays. But to, to answer, I, I don't think he's emotionally fragile. If he was emotionally fragile, he wouldn't have had, my God, you know, what, four games where, you know, he brings them back, they tie at Cincinnati. He, he brings That's them true. back, they win, they win on a field goal. He brings them back to, to beat the Lions. Um, now, this last game was a different, different scenario. No timeouts. you got to get a touchdown. Uh, you know, there was confusion at the end of the first half, and then obviously at the end of the second half, they weren't moving like they should have, but they're not going for a field goal. The other team's playing to, to protect against a touchdown, so it's a different situation. But he's done this enough this year to say he's not emotionally fragile. He's he's actually put them in positions to win, you know, four, four games at least. Uh, so, yeah. It, but I think it, it's but, different, Mark. Mark, I think it's different because in those times, it, the, the, there's less pressure on you to win because it looks like you're going to lose. Whereas in a game like this where you had the lead and you've done nothing, and all of a sudden this team comes back and takes you over and you've done nothing to to keep that lead or keep going, the pressure mounts on Kirk, and I don't think he handles it well. When, when, you're, when you've got nothing to lose, when the, the clock's ticking away, and and if if you get it, great. If you don't, well, you know, you know, the defense didn't hold. Them. I I, I don't know. I don't have that all mapped out. But it it that's just the impression I'm feeling right now. It I don't think he handles the pressure well. And I think the the flip side of that argument is in those situations is probably when he's least controlled by the sideline and 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 the coaching staff. It's kind of I think there needs to be a little bit more. Um, I know it's Dalvin Calvin Cook's team and everything, but. There needs to be a little bit more uh, letting go of the reins and letting Kirk. Uh, right now, I, I get the impression uh, you look at those third downs that he's a little. I mean, I, Kirk is definitely a very much process guy. You know, he needs to process everything. Blah, blah, blah. But I also think it doesn't help that he's. I, I believe that he's he's shackled a little too much by the 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 play call or not being able to change things. I think they need to let him play a little bit. Just see if it works. Play a little bit more free like you do at the end of these games when they need him or at the beginning games when they're in a rhythm. You know, just let him play a little bit, be a little bit more free with how he wants to play. I, I You know, it's uh, – yeah, he, he, the pressure you – know, there was pressure. There was legitimate pressure on some of those third downs, but there were also some late pressures 
to where or like a guy would come through and Kirk still had time to, to do something, but the guy got close enough in his peripheral vision or whatever to where he's thinking maybe there's more there than what was there. But, you know, the Cowboys did have some pressure. Uh, I thought the offensive line played well enough for them to win. Uh, it wasn't like one of these just total meltdowns that we've seen with offensive lines in recent years where the quarterback has no chance. Uh, it was a combination there uh, where I think Kirk needed to let go on some some things or maybe stay in there a little bit longer. Uh, but I think overall, if you look at how he's played this year, it's hard to argue uh, overall what he's been able to do for. Him. So, you know, again, it's 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 one game. It, you know, we were talking you know, we were glowingly about him after these other games, how he performed at the end, and he's doing exactly what he needed it. You know, what they're paying him for and everything. Uh, I think you know, my whole thing about this is there's ten games left. Let it play out, and we're gonna, you know, if, if it if it doesn't work out. There will be changes made. I mean, these guys know it. It's nothing. I'm not saying. Don't, don't go. Yeah. Yet, so. Yeah. But yeah. But when it comes to Kirk, if if he plays well and, and they win, we're going to see more of Kirk. If if this thing gets blown up, we're not going to see Kirk. We're going to find a. You're going to find a way to get out of it, and they move on. I would agree with your assessment of the offensive line. Although Bradbury had a really tough day, and Udo had back to back holding calls that really hurt. But uh, do you think there's going to be a change at center? at some point with either Cole or Davis coming in for Bradbury because he's he struggles, especially against bigger guys that can move him around off the ball pretty easily. No, I, I don't think so. I think he's the best you got. You got to go with what you got. I mean, you draft him in the first round. You got to find out if – I mean, I don't know if you have to continue to find out, but, you know, it's so hard to, to make a change like that in, in the middle of the season. I, I just don't see how it gets better if you do something like that. <laughs> if you switch to a backup – center or a rookie center who's came in to play guard. I think these are the five you got. And, you know, there's, there's been games where we've talked about how well they've played. Uh, so, you know, there's good too. And yeah. I don't think there's a, there's not a, there's not a magic center out there. There's not a modern day Mick Tinkleoff that's going to fall on top of your head and you plug him in and everything's perfect. Udo is still a guy who's only has seven starts in the NFL. He's a tackle playing guard. I think, you know, he and he's he's sort of still playing like he's a tackle, so where you can get maybe a little more allowances with your arms out. Um, so yeah, he's he's got some holding penalties, but you gotta weigh the good with the bad as well. And I don't think changing anybody is gonna make any on the offensive line is gonna make it better. Interesting. Okay. Uh you kind of teased this a couple seconds ago. But uh talking about how you know efficient uh cousins has been at the end of the games so far this season. Well, we, we saw a chance or uh, got another look at that at the, at the end of the half with 37 seconds left. That's his magic number. He he got him in position to win a different game with 30 seconds left, 37 seconds left. Well, I was ready to compliment the Vikings for digging in and trying to get, you know, some a, a late field goal after, after uh, I think uh, the Cowboys might have put one up. And it's you know they they tried to go downfield. They got a little aggressive there, but then the whole scenario happened where they didn't have the players in the right position. They were running around like a a fire drill, and and he's trying to line them up. The clock is ticking. There's one timeout left. Nobody's calling it. Kirk's not calling it. He's looking around. Uh, Zimmer's not calling it on the sideline, and it ticks down to one second, and and then they fall on it. You know, it, it's at at the press conference. Uh, Kirk tells it this way. 
He goes, I just let Zim handle the timeouts because I never know quite what the coaches want to do with that. And I'm going, oh, my God, this guy can't call timeouts. He's eight-plus years as a starter in the league, and he, and he, and he can't call timeouts at, in this situation. What's going on here? Zim, the next day, said, oh, that was a miscommunication. He has all the authority he needs to call timeouts there. This, to me, is if this is the case that he – I don't know which is the case now, but if this is the case where he, he doesn't have the authority to call timeouts, my goodness. There's there's a major problem there. These guys have not <laughs> spent enough time in the film room together, or they've now I don't know what's going on, but you've got to have enough trust in your quarterback. I mean, if you're a defensive coach, which Zimmer is, and you kind of let things go on the offensive side, you better have some faith in that quarterback that he can be an on-field, you know, offensive. Well, yeah, I, I think everybody in that situation should have seen the need to call that timeout. Yes. So, and if I'm Kirk. At the very beginning of all that confusion, I, I call the timeout and I go to the sideline and I mean, like I take my Chuck Noll, Terry Bradshaw butt reaming or or uh, Ditka versus uh, uh, Harbaugh or whatever it was, you know, like you know, the old sideline conversation where the quarterback and the coach are going back and forth, yelling and screaming at each other. I think I take that because it needed to be called, whether it was a sideline. I know that you know the, the feeling is in a perfect situation, you you're efficient, you march down, you say the timeout to run out the the, the field goal kicker and kick the field goal. But it was clear that, that they, they weren't going to get lined up with any time. to. So, yeah, that, you call the timeout. So um, Kirk should have called the timeout. And whether or not he's worried about what the coaches think or not, in that situation, he's on the field. That's and that's kind of what I was sort of alluded to before was, you know, he needs to, like, be given a little more freedom or a little bit or take on a little more, that's, you know, that's what I was saying. strength. I, I, I agree with that. Hey, hey you, you got guaranteed. You know, it came in with the first ever three-year, uh, multi-year guaranteed contract. What is he he's worried about? He's yeah, he's worried about you know, what he's going to say. Or, or, or the be, he's got to be perfect in what he says, and perfect in how he acts, and perfect how you know, like uh, when he uh, with Thielen last year when they were going back and forth about what Thielen said, and then Kirk said, and you know, grow. You know, can I say this on your grow a pair and. Uh, and and be the, be the quarterback, and uh, he, he can do that at the end of games. Now he's showing, you know, he's a leader on his first drives. Just needs to be a little bit more of that in in crucial situations. I think. I I, I totally agree, and I I think with with that position, with the player in that position, it, it's you got to have a mentality. You've got to have a mentality that I mean, like like what made Favre successful all those years was. Gunslinger mentality. He had the tools, he had the arm, and, and and he could, you know, do things, but he was going to get you in trouble with that mentality. But more often than not, having a pair allowed him to to make a lot of plays that maybe Kirk might not have. And Kirk's mentality is, I mean, he's a really nice guy. He's maybe not as assertive as he should be. He is a process guy who is a little more mechanical and knows where to throw it. But if it doesn't work out the way, he he kind of starts to panic. I mean, I think we see, I mean, if we had this Kirk on a couch on the 50-yard line, I think we'd uh, understand a lot more of what's going on uh, because there's his psychology. You have to go out there and say I love the way you said that. Go take your Mike Harbaugh, uh, Ditka Reaming, and you know, because it's the right play to make to call a time out there. If you're trying to go down there and get in position for a field goal, you know you've done it. You know you can do it. And then you sit there and what we watched. Oh my God, it was it was. 
inexcusable, whether it's coming from the top down or whether it's coming from Kirk's uh, unassertiveness. I don't know. It's, it's something that needs to be cleaned up as they say. Well, I think, I think, uh, I think Kirk and and Brett are about as far apart as you can get on uh, when it comes, when it comes to two NFL quality starting quarterbacks. I mean, Kirk's like, Kirk is a good quarterback. Um, Probably not. He's not a great quarterback, but he's a, he's a good quarterback. You can win with him. Um, but yeah, he he and Brett Favre are about as as opposite as you can get. And and you know, frankly, uh, you know, there was a lot of bad Brett could really put you in a lot of problems. So, but yes. good Brett was so much. Was good Brett was great Brett. So uh, he got he got away with it. Um, you said you're not putting any of it on the defense. So I'll kind of rifle through some of the things I I had uh, I wanted to talk about there. Yeah, I, I want to ask you about Harrison Smith. I, I saw a lot of people online saying, oh, he's cooked, and I don't necessarily agree with that. But uh, he seemed a little lost out there. Is this a product of him doing trying to do too much because, you know, Patrick Peterson, another leader, is gone, and, and you've got some other players like Dantzler and, uh, uh, you know, even Mackenzie Phillips. Or Mackenzie Phillips, where does that come from? <laughs> Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe they should have. Maybe they should sign Mackenzie Phillips. <laughs> was, that, was that one day at a time, or what was that? Oh yes, the the, the one from the mamas and the papas, whatever. Her yeah. Was. All right. Yeah, uh, uh, he's not played the way I I thought he would this year. He's he's had good moments. He's played pretty decent, but he he gets beat every now and then too. But is, is that Harrison Smith doing trying to do too much? as the leader of the, the secondary. Yeah, if, if I'm picking on the secondary right now, I, I, I don't pick on Harrison first. I, I The corners, and like I said, I, I, it's not me not putting anything on a defense, um, just not the majority of it. I thought the offense yeah. needed to step up <clears throat> because you do lose it. You lost your best pass rusher. You lost your best cover guy. So you're, you went, you're playing two and a half quarters without Patrick Peterson, without Daniil Hunter. It changes everything because uh, the, the pass rush – uh, even though, like, like I think you mentioned before we went on doing this, is that losing Daniel also creates uh, doesn't make takes a lot away from Everson. Suddenly, Everson's being the guy that that they're looking at, as opposed to Daniel. So, you know, your defense changed dramatically, and the corners, uh, Dantzler looked lost a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Breland looked like uh, lost a lot. Um, you know, like Harrison. Yeah, they're they're. Uh, there's times where, you know, like um, the the when the receiver that, that the second best quarterback on the field was Cedric Wilson, I think uh, when he, you know, he not only he, he takes the pitch and he goes around and he is running with the ball. He's running with the ball when he throws it 35 yards in the air on a you know on a dime on a dime to the to the receiver who beats Harrison. Harrison had time to adjust and see that and just couldn't get over there in time. Yeah. Uh, not granted. You know, Harrison Smith is not supposed to be covering, I think it was C.D. Lamb, you know, you know, 35 yards down the field one-on-one, uh, which that kind of became whenever that – whenever he – when the receiver held the ball as long as he did before he threw it. Um, so, yeah, there, there's, it wasn't perfect by Harrison, but uh, the corners right now are, are not good. And it's uh, – I don't know – you know, Peterson, hopefully it's just a three-week thing because they need him back on the field. We can say, you know, I, I question his age coming in and whether, you know, he's still a big name. Would he still continue? You know, you're, you're signing a name, not the not the eight-time pro bowler and all that stuff. You're signing a guy that's in his 30s. But he's played well enough uh, that uh, that was a significant drop-off to have Breland and Dancer on the field at the same time. 
and not have Peterson out there. That's and now you don't have to kneel. Yeah. And now you don't now you don't have Daniel Hunter. So yeah, Joe, it's right. It's let's just shut her down. Get out of here. Let's go <laughs> like play that golf. One, uh, Peterson is like that one guy that the uh the uh NBC golf announcer. He's better than most, better than most on this team. No, well, well, better than better than all on this team. Yeah. Um <laughs> Xavier Woods, can can we tell him that you know the Vikings signed him, the the Cowboys spurned him, but all the thirty other teams spurned him too. They didn't sign him, so can we tell Xavier Woods that every he should be just as pissed off at every other team so he comes out and plays like that? He had a great game. Yeah, but that's a that's a uh, media you know, that's a question that's asked of you know every time someone plays a team that they've been on, you know, there's extra motivation and. Most of the time, they just say, uh, one one game at a time, blah, blah, blah. This guy just said, yeah, yeah. So he had, you know, it's it, – I, I, I struggle with to uh, to discipline a guy or bark at a guy when he when he answers something truthfully uh, because so much of what we hear now is, what do you, hey, what do you want to – what do you want me to say? You know, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, whatever your storyline is, I'll go with it. You know, uh, it's, uh, you know, one game at a time, all that stuff. Uh, so no, but yeah, I, I see your point. I mean, uh, they should all play as, which I think they do. You know, they they, they play as hard as they can each game, yes. and it just it works out. You know, in the NFL, it's all designed for it to ha- work out half the time, and half the time we're sitting here ripping them. And you know, they they win at Baltimore. They win at Baltimore next week. It'll be we'll be like, uh, can you believe? You know, Zimmer should get an extension. You know. <laughs> It's such an emotional league, and you no, know, they're humans. They can't get up up every week. And he just he just played fired up, and he and yeah, he was all over the field and making plays, and it was wonderful to see. I'd like to like to see it more often. Anthony Barr missed a big tackle on Elliott late that uh, set up the winning score. Uh, is he is his you know he he hardly had him on the field this year yet. I know he's still maybe working his way back, but he's he's not the Anthony Barr that they drafted nine years ago or ten years ago or whatever it was. That's a lot. That's a long, long time ago. Um, I know. Yeah, I mean, I uh, that to me, uh, I, I look at that. Yeah, he should have made the tackle. Uh, I also look at that and see Ezekiel Elliott shot out of a cannon on that. He caught he caught him so by so much by surprise in the in how fast he turned and split those guys. Because uh, I think Mackenzie uh, Mackenzie Alexander, not Phillips, was on the other side of that closing in, and he split them uh, with a burst that was big time and. Uh, Still should have made the uh, the tackle there, but you know, uh, as it turns out, it was sixteen yard ga- or sixteen yard gain, I think it was, or fifteen. Yeah, fifteen. Third and eleven. Fifteen yard gain. I'm not not saying this would have happened, but that's also whenever Zimmer had the penalty. You know, like it's third and sixteen comes third and eleven. You still should make the stop, but right. third and sixteen yeah. is easier to defend than third and eleven. So I think you know. Yeah, they might Zimmer not even call that play at third and sixteen. Right. Z- yeah, they were. They, yeah, exactly. They third and sixteen. They might just uh, would have been the draw and maybe kick the kick the tying right. field goal and see. Right. But I don't know. Uh, so yeah, Zimmer. You know, complimentary uh, football, but also make complimentary you know, cr- being critical of people. Is Zimmer needs a share in that Absolutely. that meltdown at the end of the game for sure. You touched on it earlier, but uh, big loss. Uh, do you uh, with Daniel Hunter? Do you know? Remember when? He got hurt. Was that first half, or it was third quarter? Third yeah, quarter? no, no. I was. I believe it was in second quarter. Um, second quarter. Yeah, you, you oh. saw that. You saw the game change. I mean, it was. Yeah. I don't know. Just um, 
Yeah, I guess it changes not only not only who plays that side, but you know, Everson doesn't it becomes a different player because there's more attention to him. Um, they went into this thing thinking Everson was going to be a situational pass rusher to preserve his legs and all this stuff. Well, now he's your he's your uh, he's your workhorse uh, defensive yeah. end, and and I and I, or I I tweeted this last week when they essentially gave uh, Stephen Weatherly away. It was like, yeah, and I was thinking more Everson and his age at that point was, uh, you know, they're going to regret this because it's a long, long season. You know, the, the long season became longer with 17 games, and he, you know, he had a sack again for the Broncos here this weekend. What are they doing, Mark? Uh, Is, are they just that nice of guys in the uh, personnel department of the Vikings? Why did they do that? Well, yeah, he wanted to move on, and I don't know if it was a case of they're looking at, uh, you know, Salary cap situation. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not. If I was, if I was smart enough to be a salary cap guy, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. So, a thing uh, to me, to me is maybe it's a it's a financial thing. Maybe it's looking down the road, whatever. But uh, to me, I, I look at it and say we just need because he can play special teams, and he we we just need depth at defensive end. And you know, the, the very day, week that they give him away, you know they. End up, uh, they're getting. They, he'd look pretty good right now. And he went to the Broncos, where George Payton or Patan, I don't know how you say his name, is uh, the GM there, and he used to be with the Vikings for many years. Is there some collusion going on there? Is Rick setting up his next job to, yeah. to go out west? So he could be, uh, he could be George's assistant for yeah. twelve years or whatever it is. Yeah, I don't know. I think we'll keep that internal, Joe. Okay, that's probably a good idea. I was kind of rhetorical, but I had to throw it out there anyway. <laughs> well, that, we. Uh, That'll, that'll wrap up the first segment here, talking, rehashing, and there's more to do on this. I'm going to do that in our next segment when we also look ahead. We have to look ahead. Uh, uh, so come on back, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it then. <clears throat> Welcome back to Vikings Territory with myself, Joe Oberly, and Mark Craig from the Star Tribune. Mark, we're we, we just rehashing this this uh, game that looked like hash if you're a Vikings fan. Um, and before I head on to the week ahead, I just wanted to fire up a few other things past you. Um, talk about the, the blow going forward. That is that Hunter won't be here. Daniel Hunter got hurt and he's lost for the season with a pectoral and pectoral muscle. We got him for half the season this year and zero of the season next year. It's going to be, you know, and he re, redid his contract too uh, this off season too. And I, I, I was reading someone say he bet on himself, but uh, is uh, he's probably going to have to renegotiate. I think in March, <laughs> probably 15 million, or something like that, as, and as a as a bonus in in, in March twenty second or something, we'll come do right. it. The Vikings won't want to do that if they don't pay it. They have to pay similar. So that that's going to be a little bit of a mess, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, either either renegotiate. I mean, if they if they were to to pick that up, uh, they'd be insane because I know he's a great great player, but you will have done that for a guy who played six and a half games in two years, uh, hurt his neck, hurt his pec. Um, sorry, but you got, you got, uh, this is just me talking. I mean, I, I would be stunned if they would pick up because yeah, that whole thing was designed on them, forcing them to make a decision whether you extend him, uh, or you swallow it or you whatever. Uh, well now, it, obviously he, uh, the durability, you know, is a question and you can't, you just can't give that kind of money to a guy that's, uh, 
has played six games in two years. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's an issue. Uh, but the bigger issue is uh, we're getting a taste of, well, of what we all saw last year in, cause you know, Pierce is out. He's been out for a few games. Now Hunter's out. I don't know who knows when Pierce is coming back. You, you look at practice, he goes through stretching and then he does some things off to the side. It seems like, and I don't know the severity of his elbow injury. I know that Linval Joseph probably played five years with elbow problems here. Right. Uh, so they need to put Pierce needs to get back on the field now. Um, so there's Pierce and then Hunter are out like they were last year. Hunter or Pierce opted out. Hunter never played it down. Um, Peterson's you know, got a hammy, right? Peterson's got a hammy that hamstring. Yeah. It, so, you know, three games at least for him. I don't know, you know, when, when he's eligible to come off um, <laughs> after three games after he went on. But, you know, Tomlinson has not really set the world on fire as a prized uh, free agent signing. He's, he's done okay. Um, better than what they had last year. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're starting to see, you know, when, when they, when they lost all their talent last year, they, we saw the embarrassment that it became, you know, crowned by that, uh, that new Orleans game, uh, which was probably one of the more humiliating national primetime game or national games. I think I can remember seeing a team have to suffer through. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a huge blow. Um, Wanham has got to step up this Willikus who got his first, his NFL debut. Um, yeah, I don't know that they're going to do anything at the trade deadline. They're, of course this will come out later, but, uh, yeah, they're, it's, they're hurting and, uh, you know, Weatherly would have helped, but he's gone. So it's, you know, if they have very, very many more injuries, then you're going to see this thing implode to like what we saw last year. It's just the way it goes. When you, when you're, when you're hurt, you're going to go downhill. What does it mean to when your head coach says in his post-game interview that he has to take some time to think about how to turn this around? That's got to be a little concerning to hear from the head coaches. And I mean, don't isn't isn't he supposed to uh, know exactly what to do? I mean, I mean, well, I, yeah, I think it, I think that's in it was in it was in reaction to what uh, you know Adam Thielen had said about it. You know, everyone on the everyone needs to be frust- feel frustrated. I think he's answering that question. And he says, yeah, everybody needs to take some time to think about how you turn this thing around. I don't, you know, I don't see it as Zimmer going, you know, you know it's, I have no idea what to do. Or, you know, also uh, at that point, it's pretty, it would be obvious to me that he's got the Neil Hunter's injury spinning around in his head, which he didn't reveal. You know, he just said he was going for an MRI, but he, you know, he has to know at that point that he's lost Neil Hunter for the year again. So part of what he's saying is probably based on what he knows that he's not sharing at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they've got to like things change when Daniel Hunter's not there. So they got to figure out, you know, what to do <laughs> well, to, to try to make up for. Here's the elephant, the big elephant in the room question. You know, the hot seat doesn't even describe what's happening to, to Zimmer in the, in the Vikings uh, purple fate, uh, faithful uh, Twitter sphere these days, it's hellfire under his seat right now. And uh, um, I mean, there's, there's uh, hashtags that are fire Zimmer. There's uh, people want him gone now. There's people uh, that are saying he's gone at the end of the year. I, I, you'll never hear me advocate for anybody to get fired. I've kind of told you this, but uh, I, I said, I, I, I'm starting to feel like, 
not that he's lost the team, but uh, this is this is getting away from him a little bit, and uh, a change may be the only way to to turn things around and figure it out at some point. I'm not saying let him go during the middle of the season because I don't know if that helps, but and I'd like you to address that. But uh, um, uh, it is everybody and anybody that that follows this team they they want they want the Vikings to. Uh, Go belly up, get rid of the coach and the GM, and and get a, a really good draft choice. And I look at the schedule, and I don't see uh, a lot of wins remaining for them uh, with the depleted defense now and the offense playing in it in the way it is. So, Mark, there's a lot to chew on there. But you know, let let what do you think about this whole scenario? Well, you know, I I, I don't see. How, first of all, I don't think they lost the team. I, I think that if they had lost the team, you know. We'll find out here if they've lost the team. If they go to Baltimore and get destroyed, don't show any effort, then it's a sign of losing the team. I think what you're seeing now is just not being able to finish. I mean, they're they're playing. And let's face it, they were starting, they're starting to play against some, some odds here with not having Daniil, not having Peterson, not having you know Pierce. Um, so they're they're in these games. They're back and forth. They're not playing very well, but they're kind of there at the end. And uh, I think it's been like that in every game except the, the Seattle game, which they which they won. And speaking of, uh, you know, when we're all penciling and wins and losses, that was a loss. Remember that was oh yeah, they can't beat Seattle. They can't beat Seattle. Yep. So I, I don't think they'll go to Baltimore and win. But I, if they won, it wouldn't surprise me any more than than Cooper Rush beating them. I mean. It, them beating Lamar Jackson after losing to Cooper Rush would not surprise me. It's just kind of how it is when you're in this middle stream of the NFL. And I don't see like, uh, you know, firing a guy in the middle of the season typically doesn't make much sense to me. Now, if Kevin Stefanski was an offensive coordinator and you're like, you know, is he going to, or say Mike Tomlin is your defensive coordinator. You're like, Hey, you know, let's, let's try and see what this, let's get a taste of this guy before he becomes available on the, on the open market. See what kind of head coach he can be. See how he can work the room. See how he is with the media. See all these different things. They don't have that guy. That that, that there's not that guy. You know, uh, Andre Patterson is a great guy. He's a great communicator. He's a very passionate. He he gets you to run through the wall, and he gets his defensive lineman to run through a wall. But he's not going to be. He's not the. You're not interviewing him for, to be the head coach next year because he's he's basically Zimmer uh, philosophies. He's a defensive guy. Yeah, that's not the guy that you're looking to hire if you're going to get rid of Zimmer. There's nobody on the offense that uh, would be even remotely close to being a head coach. There's nobody else. You know, special teams coordinator is not a head coaching material. A uh, prefer, I think, could be a head coach. I, I don't not. It's no offense to to Ryan Ficken, but I don't believe he's that. He's looked at in that way, but in the locker room or publicly. So I don't see any any reason to get rid of him now, other than to be mad at him and. You know, let's just make him pay. Well, they made Bud Carson in Cleveland pay in 1990 or whatever, fired him. And he went down to Cabo or something on the beach and uh, spent all his money that they were still paying him. So it wouldn't be like a, I mean, yeah, you don't want to get fired if you're Zimmer, but I'm saying it's like right now you just fire him if like, because you're you're a fan and you're mad at him for for calling two timeouts or you're mad at him because the offense isn't good or defense isn't up to your standard. So the benefit to it, if you look at it rationally and calmly, is you give him 10 more games and you see what happens. If he pulls it out, great. And if he doesn't, then it probably has reached the point where you need to start over. 
Yeah. I mean, if they, if they get, if they do, if they don't make the playoffs, it'd be the first time he's missed the playoffs back to back years. And this, I'm not like ripping on him. He knows he, he knows he's been in the NFL 30, 30 years or whatever it is. He knows, this, he knows how the, how the games play. Um, he was in Cincinnati where they gave, you know, Marvin Lewis, a lot of rope, you know, probably too much in Cincinnati because that's how they tend to work, but he knows the score. And yeah, I, totally convinced that he he knows he's probably he's coaching these next 10 games to see whether he continues being a head coach in the NFL and I say give him give him the chance and let's see what happens so there's there's also a, a part of the the public or a fandom that you know we've reached the point where well you know making the playoffs would be a bad thing well you know I, that's sort of a foreign thought to me but you take advantage of what the system is there's, there's 17 games there's seven teams in each conference that make the playoffs Try to make the playoffs, and and if, and if you don't, then you reassess at the end of the year, and it, it it's got a feeling like it's going toward that. This is a make or break ten game stretch for Mike Zimmer. Um, you had mentioned before we came on on here that uh, people are talking about replacing him with his son Adam Zimmer. <laughs> is that uh, is that uh, the the Vikings? Staffs nepotism gone too far. I mean, who, who no, I, I don't know. That? I don't know the seriousness of that. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't. Um, I like Adam, but I don't see him as a head coach. Uh, yeah. I, I just it's kind of a feel. I mean, like when Mike Tomlin walked into the room in 2006 for the first time, we're like, oh, you know, and he was 34 at the time, I believe, as defensive coordinator. <laughs> and you're like, you know, that that's kind of a guy that carried himself as a head coach, and we, you know, obviously. Well, that became the case. Uh, you know, to me, if, if, if they did it, let's say the once the one way I could see that they, if their hands are forced is if, you know, Zimmer is, as even Zimmer would tell you, he, Zimmer is a, uh, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. His temper probably can go unchecked if he's frustrated. If there's a situation where they say the owners would were to have a meeting with him, or if it got to a point where they're like, Hey, you know, they said something that he didn't like and say he's, you know, told him off. Then, then cause that, that's happened in NFL history. We don't, we don't hear all those stories. Like, like why did that guy get fired? Well, it's because he went in and told the, the owner to go, you know, to himself. And, uh, you know, so you could see that I could see that, uh, but I don't, I think the Wilfs are, are patient enough that uh, you know, they've certainly shown their patience and their willingness to give this franchise, whatever they need. They think they need to win, so I think that they could wait ten more games to make a decision on on uh, the, the, where the franchise would go from here. I would agree with you. I, uh, that's just on a totally different note. I have to to uh, mention that when we were watching Sunday Night Football, I was watching with my daughter, who's a graduate of MSU Mankato, and when Adam Thielen said it, all of a sudden she goes, "Oh, you know." So I just had to throw that out there. Mankato, you know, that's where. I grew up, and that's where Mankato Brewery is. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, shameless plug there. That, that's right. That's exactly what it was. But, Do you have to pay for uh, that? Do you have to pay for, add for that? Yes, I have to go buy a beer from Mankato Brewery. So, um, uh, so we'll take that bit of happy news and go on to the Ravens. They're coming off a bar, a buy mark, which is probably – I don't know if that's good or bad from the Vikings, you know. Uh, bad. 
it's bad. And it's, I, I'm just curious why they – I, I suppose you can't schedule any difference. Eventually you're going to have some one team that's coming off a bye and the other one that's not that are going to play like Of course. Team. Yeah. But – it's a uh, it's more difficulty in this schedule and with the Vikings kind of hobbling after after losing some players last week it's just it's just gonna get worse um, uh, how do you see they got Lamar Jackson and uh, they don't have uh, Daniel Hunter to chase chase him around and with only Everson Griffith left to do that I I, I don't see Griff as being much of a threat to him. You know, especially with when you know they're going to probably chip him. You know, because he's the big guy on on the defensive line now. So, how do you think the Vikings defense can can do against? Uh, it's a depleted defense right now. Do, do against someone like Lamar Jackson and and his weapons like Mark Andrews and and uh, the decent receivers they have. I, I think it pre- uh, presents quite a challenge for him. Yeah, I mean, I I'd certainly uh, you know it's early in the week, but I don't see myself picking them to win at Baltimore. Having to go on, having to go on the road uh, to play there when when Balter has been off for a week, uh, I I don't see it happening. But but you know we can't lose sight of the fact that the Ravens are as good as they are, are wildly inconsistent sometimes. I mean, you know they they had no business uh, tangling with the Lions that they had to, again. We've, we've mentioned this a million times. But you know they had to they had to they had to kick a record sixty six yard field goal to beat the Lions and and it took a a pass I mean uh, that drive Lamar Jackson was terrible on that drive except for one pass that got them 30, 20 yards down the field uh, it looked like that game was over and they 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 sneak out a win against the Lions they were playing the Colts and uh, man their defense looked horrendous uh, for three quarters and it seems like they played a lot of prime time games too and uh, you know. Their defense was beatable. It's like they, they're watching it going, this doesn't even look like a Baltimore defense. So you're right. thinking, ah, you know, their, their defense isn't that good. Then the next week they go to uh, to Los Angeles and they they, they beat the, the Chargers. Justin Herbert was rolling and they, they beat them like 34 to 6 and then looked like the Baltimore defense. Now, with a bye week being at home, I have a feeling they're going to run into the good Baltimore team. But there's always that possibility of the offense you know, it's rolling and they can can move the ball. It's like it seems like every time we say, "Oh, the offense is stagnant; they can't do anything," then then they come alive. You know, right, right. The last yeah. time, last time we were talking about the Vikings and 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 <clears throat> after a game, what they they had five hundred and seventy one yards against uh, the Panthers. So, you know, these these things tend to go up and down. But I, my guess is they go to Baltimore, they get a Ravens team that's that's rested, they get a Lamar Jackson that they aren't really sure how to handle what to do with and he you know he probably runs for a lot of yards uh those corners that he's looking at are, it's going to be an easier pitch and catch than he's seen some in some other games he's had so yeah that would be my guess that, that they run into a really good baltimore team and that we're back here uh talking more doom and gloom um you know that you mentioned it. There, there's, it's usually a good defense in Baltimore, but I looked at the stats, you know, yardage wise, they're just middle of the road at best and wildly inconsistent. Wouldn't this be the time where you, if you're uh, Mike Zimmer and Clint Kubiak, you just say the hell with it and just let this offense loose. I mean, and just, and just, you know, what he got to lose 
you know, you, you, I think it stacks up very tough against him. But if they're, you, you've got to attack this defense. It's the only, it's your only shot at winning this game, I think, because I don't know that the defense, Vikings defense is going to do well with Jackson. So, um, is it possible that you know that you know, like you said, up and down in this league? So maybe this is the time where after this just terrible game we had to watch, it was really boring to watch that game on Sunday night. Uh, that they just they just release the hounds and let uh, Kirk go nuts. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you uh, you just throw everything away at this point. It, it, you know, uh, but I do think you you definitely become more urgent, less conservative. And if you're gonna, if you're gonna sink, you know, let's let your quarterback that you're giving $33 million a year to, you know, be a little bit more, uh, have the identity of the team go a little bit more through him and, uh, and, and not just be locked into it's Dalvin's team. It's, you know, we're going to, you know, I'm not saying throw the ball 60 times, but I'm also saying, you know, Get into let the quarterback get into more of a rhythm. Let him push the ball down the field a little more. Take advantage of some of the things that you've got. You've got an offensive line that's starting to you know let you have a little more time to throw. You've got the receivers, um, and it, 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 don't just have it be. Yeah, everyone goes out, and then there's a panic, and then you try to you know make Dalvin Cook catch the ball off his shoelaces. I mean, it's you got to let the quarterback. I think you know, be a little bit more aggressive down the field and, and convince him that he needs to do it. And I think in the meeting room, in the meeting room this week, I'm imagining the scenario where Zimmer comes in with a, a star and he taps Kirk on the head and said, Zim, the, the timeout for you. I grant you timeouts. You can call timeouts at the end of the half now in the two-minute drill. Poof. No, I'm just kidding. It might be a little bit. You never much. know. You never know. Uh, well, that's that's the end of uh, – I think we're both predicting the same. That is the end, Joe. It's the end. <laughs> it's over. We're predicting the same uh, tough sledding for the Vikings this weekend. So uh, hopefully we're both wrong. Um, well, that's the end of the seg- that segment. So we'll come back with our NFL segment. We'll question our NFL insider, Mark Craig, for, for some of the big uh, headlines this past week. There was always headlines in the NFL. So we'll, we'll check in on that. Come on back. Welcome back to Vikings Territory Breakdown with Mark Craig. And, Mark, put on your NFL Insider hat and let us know what you think's going on this week. There's, there was there was some interesting things. So I'm way back on Thursday, the par- the Packers game versus the Cardinals. So I just got to bring up that damn team. Uh, I, 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 that was a game that could have given the Vi- Vikings life had uh, it, it gone the way it should have after they got stalled at – I mean, even even Aaron Rodgers can get stalled, you know, first and goal inside the four yard line, and and not score a touchdown. And you know, they uh, Cardinals waltz back down the field and are in position to uh, to to win the game. And and uh, I can't remember what happened, but they you fumbled or or something happened, and and the Packers uh, end up coming out and skate. I mean, unscathed. That's that's the history of the Packers and the Vikings in a nutshell. You know, we'll, the Vikings will lose the game they should have won, and the Packers will somehow luck through the win. And, you know, I'm sure they've lost games and blah, 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 blah. But more often than not, the Packers <laughs> well, got think, a horseshoe think, in their pocket or somewhere. Well, I, I think I think your nutshell and your horseshoe is the fact that they've had a Hall of Fame quarterback playing for them since 1991. Yeah, uh, he's 
we're talking uh, 30, well, 90, 90, ah, whatever it was. Uh, so you're talking 30 years of, uh, of having your franchise set at quarterback, except for whenever Anthony Barr breaks collarbones and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's the biggest difference. I, I, whenever we were doing our survivor pool, my neighbor was like, hey, so he was all over the, uh, the Cardinals because Devontae Adams was out. And I said, <laughs> I said as, as long as number 12 is in the game, especially whenever there's the, the challenge of a primetime game without Devontae Adams, He's going to find a way, you know, he's going to make someone else, you know, he's going to find another receiver that's going to, because a quarterback, I mean, in that situation, that kind of quarterback makes the receiver as opposed to opposite. Although Devontae Adams is a great receiver. Uh, And they were like 6-0 and without it, without Devontae Adams going into that game. So my neighbor lost on that one. I said that was a little too close for me to, to pick on that one. That was my highlight of my picks, and it ended right there for the week. After that, I... I think I uh, only won like three straight up, three or four straight up. So I basically, after that, I think everything I said was wrong, including, I don't know if it was on this podcast or on the Star Tribune, uh, Mike Rand's podcast. Uh, I also jinxed uh, poor Derek uh, Henry saying that uh, this guy has historic durability. And the fact that he has gone three years without ever like missing a game or even being remotely injured, and then he breaks his foot. Thanks a so, lot, Mark. I've got him on my yeah, phone. I, I, I was in I, first place, just cruising, cruising. Yeah, yeah. I said, I said, oh, the Bears were going to win. The, I, the Lions, and I've, I've done this before, picking a Lions upset a team. And I think when it was like 44 to nothing, I tweeted, I, I don't like their chances of coming back to beat the Eagles. So uh, it was a bad, uh, bad picks week. Uh, Are you still after in the that, uh, pool? I got, yeah, I got three. Uh, fortunately, there were, uh, there were two two layups I thought with uh, you know the Rams like the third straight week that the Rams the Rams had like the lock of the week they played the Giants the Texans and uh, Jaguars or whatever it was uh, um, so it was uh, that was a kind of an easy one and then uh, I think I had Buffalo that was an easy one I had the had the Chiefs which uh, the Chiefs aren't the Chiefs anymore so they were able to pull that out on Monday night but uh, yeah. I did lose the Bengals I thought uh, that that's the one I felt the worst about. I uh, don't know why, but I should have. I almost bailed out of that one, but uh, you know, Mike White then throws for 405 yards on him, so that was a tough one. Yeah, speaking of Derrick Henry, I, I had him. On, I've got him on a fantasy team, and just kind of fell in my lap this year, and and I've just been rolling. I got him and Cooper Cup, so you know. Well, I, pick Adrian. Adrian's in the fold. Yeah, no, nobody cares about my fantasy team except me and my daughter, who I share it with. But. Uh, um, now, yeah, like you said, uh, I, you know, it, it looks tough for the Titans because as the Titans goes, Derrick Henry goes, so go the Titans. But uh, Adrian doesn't have anything left, does he? Is he the guy to pick up for that squad? I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule anything out on Adrian, even at this age. You know, thirty-six. It's kind of funny that uh, you think that the uh, the second overall pick in two thousand seven is career ended in um, fifteen or whatever. He's in the Hall of Fame feet up on the desk guy picked five spots behind him is coming back into the NFL and will play on Sunday night against the Rams. Um, no, he's not Adrian of his prime, but this is like the best situation that Adrian could yeah. hope for. I mean, he's, he's going into a team that doesn't throw to its backs. Got a great run blocking offensive line. They're a downhill between the tackles team and Adrian's still got, I mean, Adrian's not going to show up 
and be out of shape. Adrian's right. not going to show up and be fat or you know, he's not as fast as he was, but he's not slow. He's not, you know, he can get them, you know, 15 carries a game and, and they got to piece it in. They got to, they got, they don't have a whole lot after that, but they got a practice squad guy, a couple of guys on the practice squad that have had carries or played, um, you know, hope, yeah. So, you know, you, you, you know, you can piece it together and they have, you know, they have, they have tar- they have weapons too. And so Adrian doesn't have to be Derek Henry. We he can't at this point in his career, but you know, he can help them out. And this is, this is a really good team for him to go to. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch to see what he can give them. Yeah. He's still got it. Still trying to pass uh, Emmett Smith for that all time. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, Hey, who knows if he, he he'd have to keep having these situations occur for the next uh, probably seven years. But. Well, I'm I'm trying to pick up Adrian Peterson, so I, you guys can all rest easy for my. Hey, I would pick. I, you know, he's he's going to get the ball on the goal line. Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah, exactly. so he's going to score. He's the guy's got 120 some touchdowns, uh, and and that's whenever you're going to need him is on the goal line. So right. with that offensive line, he's going to score some touchdowns. How about that trade by the Broncos and the Rams? Von Miller, uh, the beast from the uh, Broncos defense, goes to the Rams for uh, what is it, a second and a third round draft yeah. choice next year? What uh, does that uh, put the, the Rams back into preeminence in the NFC? Hopefully, because I don't want the Packers to be there. But uh, I've never, about? I've yeah, I've never seen a team uh, like with such a total disregard for the draft. Uh, that's somebody, somebody, uh, Sam Farmer out in LA, great writer for the LA times was, uh, did a story or tweeted about the Rams have this house or whatever that near the facility for, I don't know if the players go there or whatever. And I said, it, was, it probably doesn't have a first floor because they've, <laughs> they never have a first round pick because they trade them all away. They went all in. I thought they completely overpaid for Matthew Stafford. Uh, but on the flip side, if you, if you do, throw this all together and you win it this year in your stadium, you bought yourself goodwill for, for years and years. Although Philadelphia won, uh, you know, won the Super Bowl here uh, over the, some team that they beat in the NFC championship game. I can't remember Joe. But, uh, they, they came here and won a Super Bowl and they, that, they, that thing was blown up what, like three years later. Uh, but no, the Rams, it's, it's a very aggressive, it's, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch Aaron Donald and Von Miller if they if, if they both stay healthy and see what they can put together or that on defense. And then they look at what they have on offense. So if they win the Super Bowl at home this year, all this will have been worth it. And uh, it's it's a very aggressive mentality that uh, yeah, it's they they I could see the Packers and them in the NFC Championship game clear as day right now. I'm sure the owner of the Rams wants to have the Super Bowl in his home stadium. So he'll feel more comfortable going to the bathroom there. I think. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, a that, joke for us media. Yes. Yeah. Um, you don't want to tell that story? No. Oh, well, yeah. A, a TCF. I was actually in there. I, I, I didn't get blocked out by the goons. So in, in the restroom and he comes in, I, I didn't recognize him. I was finishing up what I had to do and uh, walked out and, and then I came my first, remember the first, Face I saw was Brian Murphy. He looked like he's ready to punch someone. Well, they Stan Kroenke had gone in there and and he put he posted his goons outside, wouldn't let anybody in while he was yep. in there. And he came walking out, and I was looking around. What, what are you guys looking at? 
So I, I, I got in there. Yeah, I was, I, I had the honor of, of uh, uh, using the restroom with while Stan Kroenke was in the room. So, well, he'll have my clock in the Super Bowl and Pete. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, he's. A, I'd say he's. A, he's got about seven billion reasons to uh, to be as arrogant as he is. I guess that if those, uh, it's still not a good reason. I think you can be a great person and not be a oh, as a billionaire. But uh, he showed some true colors that uh, that night. That was, uh, yeah, I, was, I had to wait in line. I walked up at that point, sort of, what the hell's going on here? But uh, yeah, they had the. Had it blocked off for us, us proletariat or the bourgeois. Were there were there any were there any accidents outside the room? Whenever there were not, there were, were not. Thankfully, you know, but I think there were people standing by with suction just in case. Um. Anyway, I would like uh, to have seen what would have happened if somebody would have challenged the the guys that were blocking off the door. I, I, granted, but they were good sized. I know, but uh, I, I'm thinking you could have made some money there. You wouldn't be doing this podcast, Joe. <laughs> If you would have charged the door and a guy would have beat the crap out of you, you would have made at least a million dollars. I could have bought all of Mankato Brewery right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just because you took a shot at the Vikings there and losing to the NFC Championship to the Eagles, I have to ask this question. What's wrong with the Cleveland Browns? Nah. That was such a, a strange ending. It's like the, that, that lost offensive series just was like, what? That, that sort of looked like some of the – the Kirk Cousins finishes that we saw at the end of last year was like that. That's all you got in that situation. Um, yeah, it's uh, Baker Mayfield. I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be going and giving him a, a gigantic deal. I, I, I don't know what he's looking for, but if I would not make him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league, uh, he's a good quarterback that, you know, he can just do more. I don't think, I don't think you, yeah, I don't think you, you do what you did, you know, what these teams do to their salary cap by paying guys like that, unless you're going to get more than what I think they know he would give them. Right. Yeah. It's just not going in the right direction right now. And suddenly the, uh, the golden voice defense, he's got to figure it out. I'm sure he will. Cause he's a pretty smart guy. Um, you know, maybe he's got to take some time to think about how to turn this around. Oh my God. Got a veiled shot at Zimmer. Uh, Detroit is going to be the Lions, aren't they? They're going to lion week after week. My goodness, it was 44 to 6 at home against the Eagles. Ooh, things could be worse, Vikings fans. Well, yeah, that's a, the thing about Vikings fans is, you know, they, you know, we don't want to make the playoffs. We don't want to be the seventh seed. We don't want to be the seventh seed and go and lose to, uh, you know, the, the Buccaneers. Uh, I mean, could you imagine being, uh, oh, I'll, I, I know what it's like. You know, so you follow your hometown team, the Browns, for 20 years, and it was when they came back as an expansion team, were, were a laughingstock. And to see some life last year was kind of exciting for people that uh, still follow them. Uh, but like the Lions, I mean, it, it's just been lifeless for so long. And, and I think their last playoff win was 1991. Uh, so, and Chris Spielman was there, was on the team. And I think they, they went to the NFC Championship game, lost to the to Washington. Um, but yeah, it's, it could be infinitely worse than what the Vikings deal with, uh, you know, being competitive, but not being where everyone wants them to be. Now, granted, they won a Super Bowl, haven't, haven't been, haven't won a Super Bowl period, haven't been to one in whatever it is now, 45 years. But, uh, you they, think the they, Vikings they, should they, suck for luck, you know, to quote a phrase? I mean, and just, I've never, yeah, I, I've, I don't know. That just, to me, it's, that's just a, 
Because if there if there were guarantees in the in the draft, yes, yeah. If you said this guy is going to be a ten year guy, he's going to take you to three Super Bowls, you're going to win. Oh yeah, of course. Well, it just doesn't work out that way in the NFL. Hmm. And then in the draft, as much as people still want the draft to be the that ironclad thing that you Crap first shoot. round that you're yeah, it's still up and down. Every single pick is is just a crapshoot. Jets beat the Bengals, which is you know. Was kind of shocking. So anybody can be beat on any given Sunday. So that gives the Vikings hope next week against the Ravens. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's uh, it's it's not it's not looking good now because the injuries now are starting to mount on top of you know losing momentum and starting doubt creeping in and stuff like that. But you know, if they if they go to Baltimore and win, it's a totally different. You might even look excited next week, Joe, if they win. <laughs> What are you What are you working on this week, Mark? Heading into the Heading into the Vikings game, you got to take a trip to to Baltimore. But what are you working on? Anything interesting? Anything interesting? I think we're going to try and get something on Rashad Bateman for this week. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's kind of a these when a team is down like this. It, I mean, I'm not a fan of the team. I, I don't root for the team, but you kind of root for stories. Like 2009, it just seemed like. There were an infinite amount of stories for everybody that wanted their thumb in the Vikings pie. You know, it's just like, uh, but now things dry up, especially now you, you got the, you know, it's kind of COVID on top of uh, a team that's not doing well. And so, yeah, you, you definitely want to It'd be nice to have a little bit of life on the team again to get some of the, get some excitement going, but you know, they're going to, they're going to sink or swim whether, whether I uh, care or not. All right. Well, I'll pull out my fork out of them for uh, them in the season for another week and give Zimmer another chance. And, you know, it just like it's, it's the Vikings to confound expectations, whether they're up or down, you know, it doesn't matter. Their eyes do the opposite. So, uh, you know, maybe they will pull it out and, and, and be competitive. That That's all I can ask for. I you think. S- you is- sound so sad, Joe. You sound yeah. sad. It was you uh, up, Joe. You know, just coming off the bye, we were rolling. We were ready to do this. It was, you know, the place was rocking. And then you heard all those cowboy fans going, Cooper, you know, it was, it was, it reminded me of going to many Packer games there. And I used to condemn my friends who were season ticket holders and sold their Packer tickets for double or triple so they could pay for their season tickets. Why not? Yeah, sell it. And eat. Go buy a big screen TV and or uh, go down to the to the local bar and watch it. No that traffic. Scenery attitude is just the kind of thing that gets. Oh. come on, Mark. I would have. Yeah, I would have had a big. I would have had them bidding on it. Because I imagine they. I imagine they did go you know, for that. That game. That was a, a prime game to go to. I'm sure those Cowboy fans paid a lot. I would love if you got any friends that sold their tickets. Uh, of course, they probably wouldn't admit it. Uh, at least, yeah. certainly not on Twitter. Uh, unless they're idiots, uh, but I'd love to know what what someone, what people sold their tickets for. That'd be fascinating. This isn't story. Cleveland. This isn't Cleveland, Mark. Come on. Well, you know, we'd like it to be better. I actually, Wait, I went to Ted Thompson once. I, I saw him in the press box when I was working there, I, and I said, "Hey, you know, they had just won the Super Bowl. I congratulated him. I said, I said, next time you come, could you just not bring so many uh, Packer fans with you?'" And he looked at me like I was—he had seen a ghost. Like basically, uh, that was his—that was his permanent—that was his permanent look. Um, 
Like, you just wait. You don't wait till the Steelers. The Steelers play here, right? It's a Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, no, you no. just wait. You think the Cowboy fans were a lot? Steelers fans, yeah, especially if this thing goes goes south uh, between now and that, further south between now and that, Steelers fans will take over that place because they, they did it in the night. Well. Oh my God, they're they're probably the best in the league. They, in 2000, uh, last time they played here, I believe, was 2005. It might have been Tice's last year. Uh, and Tice got all mad at the fans because the Steeler fans came in and took they took the state, they took the Metrodome over. So, yeah, uh, if you're mad now at fans are selling tickets, wait, wait till the Steeler, Steeler Nation gets a hold of you. Oh, wonderful. I guess that's the note that uh, this sad sack will end the show and just say, well, let's hope for hope for a Vikings win next week. Mark, thanks a lot. Mike Woldem in the background, thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll be back next week with another version of Viking Territory Breakdown to break it all down. Hopefully it's a win. So to all you fans out there and my buddy Joe, Skull. Skull Vikings, Skull.